When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Yes, it is. Mackie and Judd with Rami. I am Rami along with Phil Mackie and Cardboard Judd here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Judd is at Fort Myers, Florida, the scene of uh, Twin Spring Training along with our Twins insider, Derek Wetmore, who's powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. If you want to get in on the show today, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. Uh, you can listen to us at 1500scorenorth.com or you can watch us live at twitch.tv slash S-K-O-R North. Rami, can I read? We got those guys out there. You guys hanging out? And, and all nice. guys? We're right here. Sounds good. Okay. Good, good, good. Right so I want to read you guys uh, the text exchanges I had with Judd and mostly Judd, but Judd and Derek today. Okay. As we tried to figure out what the hell's happening with Miguel Sano. I don't know why I'm not in on that thread. I thought we were all friends, but okay. My feelings are only slightly hurt. Well, Let's carry you know, on. We, uh, it, we, go, Phil? If it was, if it was no, DEFCON 5, we would have included you. But, you know, <laughs> okay. And, uh, but basically, just to, to sum it up, basically, the question was, is he just going to miss a game or two, or are they going to have to amputate his leg? Like, it was, <laughs> it was somewhere in there. And I love, like, the, the, the small facility that is Hammond Stadium compared to a major league ballpark. Right. And when there's closed door meetings and when there's things happening behind the scenes, like, you see it. It ain't that. It's all out hidden, the open, right? Right. right. Yeah. So if you guys could sort of set the scene and tell us, Miguel Sano apparently is not going to play until May. We're going to dive into all this. But what was it like down in Fort Myers today at Hammond Stadium as the Twins tried to figure out what was happening? Can I start? I'll pass it to Judd in a brief second. But when you say you're not sure if he's going to miss a game or amputate his leg, <laughs> it's pretty clear which one of the two of us was on that side of the fence. I just, I, I just need the audience to know that there is an alarmist in the room, and that's perfectly fine. We love you, Judd. I thought I was very calm. It- <laughs> I thought, I thought today, I thought given the fact that there was supposed to be a press conference, it was going to be at twelve twenty uh, Eastern time, and then it was going to be at one, and then one thirty. I thought I was very. I calm. guess that calm is a relative term. Is all I'm saying. So take it away. What we learned today, Judd. Well, I'm, first of all, to set the scene, um, it sounded like initially we were going to have the press conference around noon, around twelve twenty or so, Phil, and uh, then we found out that uh, Falvey had to talk to people within the Twins organization who I take it are probably back home right now. Uh, to inform them of where I'm sure things stand with Sano and his um, foot and his heel and leg, uh, so that got pushed back. And then there was a, there was a closed door. Now I can't I don't know exactly what the closed door was about, but there were some important doors closed for a while before we were called in. I'll give the Twins credit for this. I really think that there was an attempt made to, today to give to have as much full disclosure as possible. But I think that this is also probably a smart preemptive move because the Twins probably feel internally, they're not going to tell us this, nor should they, but I think the Twins probably feel internally like we do, which is, first of all, you got to be kidding me. And second, here we go again. And so I think in that vein, they were like, there's no sense in trying to hide this. Sano is gone. Everyone's going to say at some point, where did Miguel go? And and so I do give them credit. I think they were trying to get ahead of the story by giving you the story instead of it, you know, getting out via Twitter and uh, Ken Rosenthal, for instance, tomorrow. Yeah, and I think too with Miguel Sano, there's just like there's it's one thing after another after another, 
And uh, I, I just, I, I almost give him a pass on this a little bit. I know that there's some controversy over how long it took him, and maybe you guys can clarify that that he knew this was an issue and he didn't tell anyone for a few weeks, and maybe that could have sped up the timeline if the Twins had gotten their hands on him. But it seems like a freak incident. He spent the whole offseason facing at least top-end Venezuelan pitching and getting in shape, and now this happens. I mean, like, was it... Was there something he could or should have done to to report this earlier to the Twins? Is that part of the equation here? Well, just to clarify this, I do think the Twins know knew about it really early on. Like, maybe not the night that he cut it necessarily, but it wasn't a he showed up to spring training with a gash on his leg and some stitches, and they're like, what is this? <laughs> it, was, it was communicated. They were aware of it. Um, it is kind of surprising how long it's taken to heal this, so I guess we'll dive into that real quickly. But that he's now having... Uh, what's the procedure called? A debridement uh, procedure. Debridement, thank you. So where they're basically cleaning <laughs> out like the divorce. wound. Yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, I heard, when I heard that... I'm getting debrided by... When I heard... that's I had two thoughts. When I first heard that, I thought, that sounds like something you do to a horse for some reason. I don't know why. Debridement <laughs> okay. sounds like something you do to a horse. I'm going to Google it. And then the second thing I thought was, is that a fancy way to say a woman got divorced? That she'd yeah, been no. debrided. 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 I sort of like that. In debrided. Case, it's it's, a, it's a, from the mid-19th century. It's a French... French origin word, debridement. Okay. Okay. It's right. the removal of damaged tissue or foreign objects from a wound. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, debridement. Wait, think about what Phil just said. Foreign objects from a wound, yeah. That, no. defini- that definition paints a picture that probably is accurate and also scary. There was a just, chicken wing stuck inside yeah. the <laughs> Just <laughs> to be those fully get, clear about some this. Some lucky charms in there. <laughs> you weren't supposed to put the piece of pizza in your leg. So, he has it cleaned up. He has, like, it was... It was uh, apparently the healing had hit a bit of a stagnation. They maybe hit a plateau with his wound coming closed and cleanly, and it was just going to be tough to start the season. So now they've had a second procedure. They've uh, straightened everything up, and they feel pretty good about where it's at. Baseball activities probably not until mid-April, so that definitely puts the entire month of April in jeopardy as far as playing in Major League games to start the season. Hey, and be clear, though, uh, Falvey was asked and basically answered in the affirmative. It sounds like Sano and his agent called him and said he suffered a cut and it's been fixed, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll see you at spring training. He didn't suffer a cut. He suffered like a deep laceration gash that initially got infected. So so where he is at fault was somebody somebody should have said we need to get you to the team as quickly as possible and they and that didn't happen so if the ball was dropped it was in that in that the twins thought oh it's a cut it's been stitched up it's fine this sounds like way more than a cut yeah is this ju- is this just a surface wound is it a flesh wound or did this thing go did it go deeper did it actually have you seen monty python and the yes. holy grail <laughs> yes, <I> mean... <laughs> that's what so... i think of every time i say the word flesh wound yeah picture picture roughly halfway through that fight with the black knight okay. i think that is exactly All what right. has happened here it's it's more significant than just saying sorry if he has a cut on Bring his out heel. <laughs> Slightly different scene, but there is this like there is this element of how does a cut keep him out of baseball for six, eight, ten weeks? But I think when you talk about the severity of it and the fact they don't want it to get any worse and stretch further and further into the season, yeah, you can start to picture how significant the the wound would have to be to make that the case. Okay, so this is this is a guy who conditioning has been a concern for him in the past and that started with an injury if i'm not mistaken when and enzo he was off his feet for a while and and packed on some pounds something that anybody who has had surgery or an injury can relate to but are they concerned now about you know fit miguel sano who reported to camp reverting back to not so fit miguel sano with this injury and being off his feet Publicly, Falvey's stance t- uh, today was not to be concerned. He he did a very good job, th- and the, the Twins have basically done this since uh, spring training started. They've done a very good job at praising him for how hard he worked to lose that weight and to uh, reshape himself. And so publicly, they're saying all the right things about, well, he's still there's still going to be you know core activity. He's going to be doing core activity. We can do lots of things. 
Privately, I got to think that there's concern. <laughs> Privately, but I mean, you'd be foolish not to be concerned, right? Wouldn't I think so, yes. Like, like, you can't just be like, okay. But the good thing now, and, and this is the thing about going to play winter ball, and this is the thing about for him going home is when he's out of your sight, he can send back all the video clips he wants, and you can be like, yeah, come watch me run live on this treadmill, and you're in Minneapolis, and I'm in the Dominican. But you lose track of the player, i.e. the player gets a cut. He says it's just a little cut. It turns out to be a deep gash. So I think to answer your question, Rami, the good thing is that the player is going to totally be in their control now. And so it's not like he can go back to his couch at home, lay down, and recuperate. They can keep him busy. I don't know about you guys, but that's that's my number one concern is his conditioning. Lacerations, even even deep lacerations, and obviously we're not talking about your average cut here, those heal. Eventually, those heal. It might. It's taking longer than we thought. But old habits, as somebody who used to be 320 pounds can tell you, die very, very hard. And it's easy to revert back to your old ways and pack on some pounds and not be in your greatest shape. To me, the, the, the conditioning is more of a concern than, than the actual so, laceration itself. Are you saying he's going to be binge-watching shows on Netflix and Hulu while ordering Bite Squad four times not a day? Because ordering he, Bite Squad. He makes brownies from the Target that he made. <laughs> oh, is that what he's going to do? The most important question, the most important question uh, with Derek Wetmore and Judd down in Fort Myers here, does this move Williams Astadio a little bit closer to a safe spot on the twenty-five man mm. roster? Silver oh, lining. He's, he's oh, off the bubble. He's he's, not, he's making this team. I think there's. It's really hard to see and, a bench. You're serious, right? Stop I'm absolutely me, serious. No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not don't, don't, don't tease us. No, no, don't tease I, us. No, he's not. I am you're trying. Yeah, Judd can see my face. He knows I'm not just buttering up Rami for this <laughs> segment here. There. I see a very real chance that Williams has to deal on this team. Marwan Gonzalez opens as the opening day third baseman. That's fine. You're still going to need some positional flexibility, guys that can play multiple spots. And Rocco Baldelli was just very effusive in his praise for Astadio today when it came up. I don't think that the Twins view this as a gimmick or as a, oh, it's kind of fun to talk about in a cool meme. They think that he is a good baseball player and that he's going to add value to this roster with Sano going down. It's harder for me to find a way to keep him off of the team, at least for the first couple weeks. But even of the without Sano, you're saying that he was safe. He was off the bubble. Uh, he might have been on the bubble. Uh, uh, I okay. Sano was. Oh, okay, so from two days down here, here's my Astadio observation and why I think Derek is exa- exactly that right. That should be a benchmark. Astadio observations. Agreed. That yeah. should be Astadio, a benchmark. Yeah. My Astadio observation. Email Tony now for production. <laughs> is this one. I'll say it again. It's time for an Astadio observation. No, seriously, actually send an email to him. This needs to be a segment. This 100% and, needs to be a segment. And to delve into it, here's why. Baldelli has been very careful, and and I think he's sincere. He's been very careful so that he doesn't get labeled basically a stats guy or just a by-the-book guy. He He is obviously taking into account people here as well. And and so so he talks about the the fact that for Barrios the opening day start is really important and if it matters his his comment about Barrios and the opening day start yesterday was anything that matters to the guys out there in the clubhouse should matter to us okay when I see Ostadio in that locker room and I'm not joking here guys love him yep like if he can play at all he is a he is a guy he's not a guy that walks in and says. Williams Astadio's in charge of the clubhouse, and so follow me. He walks in and starts joking with guys, mm-hmm. and everyone gravitates towards him. And I think the Twins have realized in the past couple years, people like that and people in general can be extremely important. Yeah. So the Astadio observation is between his abilities, and he might not be a great player, but he's a good player. Yeah. And the fact that guys gravitate towards him and he keeps things incredibly loose make me believe he's going to make this roster. He has the Eduardo Escobar factor, and he has it in spades. So in spades, I, I, though. I yeah, agree with I, that. I think that's a real thing, and I think I'm looking around trying to figure out, okay, third base, Marwin Gonzalez, you know the rest of the infield pretty much. There's some bench spots to be figured out, and you have to make some decisions, but I was already leaning towards the Twins taking three catchers with Jason Castro, Mitch Garver, and Astadio as well, and I think this... Look, it's not going to solidify it. we still got a couple weeks of spring training to figure this stuff out. But I do think this is a really good sign for him, and that's kind of the sense I've been getting this spring. So this is going to, I don't know, some people might I, some people might not buy into this, but 
the point you guys are making about Williams Astadio, I think applies to almost all workplaces. If you, there's so many times in the last seven or eight years where you walk into a twins clubhouse or you just watch them on the field and it looks like a death march. And I get the debate here might be, does having a good team lead to a fun and gregarious and, uh, and more workable culture behind the scenes? Or, or is it the other way around where once you create that, now all of a sudden you're raising the water level for all the players and, I think it's both. You have to have a certain level of just baseline talent. You have to have good players, right? You have to have Nelson Cruz hitting 35 or 40 home runs, and Byron Buxton has to not swing at sliders in the dirt, etc. But if you show up to work in a baseball environment for eight months, every single day, it's not like football where you're going to be off on a Monday and a Tuesday and you're with your position groups. I mean, you're with these guys every single day for eight months. Having fun matters, and having an environment that people enjoy going to on a daily basis, that stuff matters, and I think it all goes into getting players to perform closer to their 90th percentile, uh, which is sort of the way I think about managing. If you're Rocco Baldelli or you're or you're an assistant coach, your job is to get players to perform at the best of their capabilities, and having a guy in the clubhouse that people like being around, I think that matters to some extent. And people can yeah. poo-poo it all they want, but... Chemistry and what Phil is talking about there is so valued in Major League Baseball clubhouses. I remember reading last year about front office guys like Theo Epstein, David Stearns, and, and some of the other analytical minds around baseball. They're 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 trying right now to quantify, find a way to quantify chemistry. Of course they are yeah. like using using, <laughs> Thanks, using like how number. many wins above replacement is Astadio's smile? Like, <laughs> yeah, like right. they're really trying his, to quantify well, chemistry. I do think there's this. Look, let's talk about Rocco Baldelli for a quick second on this because Judd just mentioned something interesting. I, I never really thought about it like this, but. Judd said he's trying to distance himself from being sort of Mr. Analytics, and I wouldn't even view him as Mr. Analytics. I think he's comfortable in that. He comes from the Rays. They talk about it every day. It's just part of the vernacular. But what I view Mr. Uh, sorry, what I view Rocco Baldelli as... <laughs> Mr. Baldelli to you, yeah, that's right. son. <laughs> I almost did. Uh, what I view Rocco Baldelli as is Mr. sort of people person. I mean, he's you've seen him a couple days now, Judd. He's, he's, he's casual. He's low-key... He's sort of even keel, a lot in the same way former manager Paul Molitor was. And the number one thing that strikes me from being down here is how hard he works to develop relationships. It's what I heard at the beginning of camp, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. We'll see. We'll see if there's anything to this, or you just you have to say something nice on day one, right? Nope. He is always thinking about his players. He is always thinking about his coaching staff, the people in the front office. He knows everything he says could become a tweet, and he doesn't want someone to read a tweet that that they wouldn't have heard from him first. And I think that's been really impressive to me. I've talked to a number of the Twins coaches, uh, new and old, who say that Rocco Baldelli is absolutely about setting that sort of workplace culture that, that have fun in the clubhouse, but get your work done. Mm-hmm. Crack jokes. But be serious about getting better every day. And I think that's an easy thing to say. It's like a cliched thing that all sports coaches talk about. But if that's real, that could mean the difference between real wins and losses once the season rolls around. Hey, one quick comparison here. Beer by the numbers comments on our live Twitch stream. And yes, you uh, we are hanging out. At least Rami and myself and Jonathan behind the glass and a cardboard cutout of Judd are on camera right now on our Twitch stream. Twitch.tv slash score north. And you can check us out if you want to see ugly, uh, overweight people. But uh, Beer by the Numbers says, totally agree with Rami. Um, and uh, uh, to- the Tory Hunter factor yes. is something to look at from yeah. a few years ago. Now, Tory Hunter, on the surface, if you just look at his numbers in his last year with the Twins, all right, well, he did 22 homers and drove in 80 runs, and he was a fairly productive player. But if you dig a little deeper... He was, at that point, one of the worst defensive outfielders in baseball. They put him out there for 139 games between right field and DH. Uh, he batted 240 with a 293 on on-base percentage and was well below the average league OPS. So his productivity was not great. But his presence clearly elevated the room and LA guys around him. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that team almost went to the playoffs. Right, That 2015 Twins team was supposed to be nothing. And they wind up two or three games out of a playoff spot. He leaves, and boom, they're back to being a 100-loss team the very next year. Were now, there any other major losses that offseason? There were injuries. like okay. Irvin, I want to say Irvin Santana uh, was injured. Whatever. There's other reasons, but but 
adding a chemistry and unquantifiable component to a clubhouse matters in baseball. And I don't know if I would have said that as much 10 years ago as as a blossoming stat geek young baseball blogger, but it does matter. <laughs> and I think it has to be the right guys, and you can't ever, as we learned, especially with my guy Doge, who I actually liked, but as we learned, you can't declare yourself that guy. You can't just go in and say, I'm the funny man. I do card tricks. Watch me. You can't go in and say, <laughs> I'm the veteran here. Listen to me, and we're going to have fun, damn it. If you have to do that, you're not that guy. Astadio, to his credit, I think is 1,000% genuine. I don't think there's anything about that. I don't think he says, I'm goofy, so that's funny, so I'll be goofy. I think he's just goofy, but that helps. I've met baseball players who are goofy who are not well-liked. Because they're just goofy. They're trying to be goofy, and they're, yes, it's not genuine. Williams Estadio loves baseball. I think that his teammates sense that. And and then that's sort has, of... And he has freak hand-eye coordination. Yeah, he's got crazy bat-to-ball, some of the best in the big leagues. But then he also sort of does everything in the clubhouse with a wink and a smile. And it's like, oh, that guy who was out there working extra hard, and who's a good player, and who cares about his teammates... Yeah, he's funny. And and you, you, like you said, Judd, you don't get to declare yourself funny. You don't get to say, hey, I'm cool. Trust me, I've tried for years. It doesn't work. <laughs> you have to be cool, and other people start to recognize that, and they sense it. It's it's a different thing, and I don't know that I could put my finger on how Tory Hunter does it exactly with the charisma. I don't know if, if I can define exactly how Astudio does it. Byron Buxton has a little bit of this. Royce Lewis has a lot of this just from being around him a little bit down here this spring. It's uh, it's a really important thing in Major League Baseball, and I, I think that every team needs to have at least a dose of that from some players. Yeah. That's how Derek introduced himself to me, by the way. Hi, I'm cool. Hey, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you're like, no, no, you're not, dude. No, he didn't say that to <laughs> my face. I'm from Milwaukee. <laughs> I know Fonzie. You I, ain't cool. I just smiled yeah. and nodded, Judd. And you're like, just dude, you have a nodded. phone case attached to your belt. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been wearing that in spring. It doesn't fit on my shorts as well. It's just a jeans and sweater look. The phone, the phone gets too hot in Fort Myers when it's attached to your belt. Derek's got a Score North t-shirt on and, yes, some, and some jeans. Let me guess the waist, waist size. Are those like 20? 24-inch waist or something? These are 32s. Oh, they don't look it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure where this segment is going from here. picturing Judd like, looking Eat Derek dinner, up and down you? right now. <laughs> Eat some dinner. <laughs> so give us a plug, Derek. What can people find on scorenorth.com right now, twins-related? Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking, Phil. Judd and I did a podcast. We did an emergency episode of Touch Em All, and as soon as we heard this Rocco, or the, uh, Mr. The, Baldelli. Mr. Baldelli to you, as soon as we heard the Miguel Sano news, we were like, let's get a Twins Minute up on at Score North and let's do a touch them all. So we talked for about 25 minutes on what this means, how the roster will shake out, why Marwin Gonzalez is important, and then we got a little cynical at the end, too, about why is it always something with this guy. So that's what I'd point people to. It's on the website or on the Touch Em All podcast feed. And Derek's Twins coverage across all our platforms is uh, powered by our friends over at Shane Company, your friends in the diamond business. Thank you, Derek. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right, Derek, you go away. Judd, you stay. Judd, you have more in your Twins notebook from spring training? Oh, yes. Way more. I've been down here two days now. Lots that of That sounded stuff. like positive stuff from Judd in his notebook, the way he reacted uh, to I that got, well, I got one good one bad uh, okay, from today's done. game. All right. All right. We also we have a grittiest Minnesota athlete bracket update for later on. Mm. And also, would you trade for Josh Rosen if it was only a third-round pick? Which is what Peter King is speculating. It's only a third round pick to get Josh Rosen. Did you say speculating? Recklessly speculating. <laughs> so we'll do that before the show is over. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Judd's down in Fort Myers. Uh, we have two bright, shiny TCL TVs in our studio here. And if you're watching us on our Twitch stream, you can see one of them. Look at that. There's a TCL logo right there. Look at that. Uh, There's these, one over there. You can't see it on Twitch, but it's nice. It's amazing. I mean, tell you, it's the, nice. the picture quality, you know, sometimes the picture quality is a little too good. I, there's some people that don't belong in 4K uh, definition. Or there's just food that looks too good, and then I try to grab it, and then yeah. I realize my hand hits the screen. It and, feels like you can reach through these TCL TVs. It really does. And if you just if you do a Google search, TCL TV reviews, you're going to find five-star ratings and raving reviews from top publications like CNET, USA Today, you name it, they're probably raving about TCL TVs. It's the best in the business for picture quality, connectivity. If you're a cord cutter, you're never going to find more options with that built-in Roku device. You just you get 4,000-plus streaming channels. 
Uh, so, I mean, you might even be overwhelmed by the options, but we can help you through it. Go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities or go to TCLUSA.com. It's Bracket Month on Score North. We'll unveil a new bracket and social media vote every week all month. Follow it and vote. Bracket Month on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. It's touch them all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition. Do you believe that he gets it there? It would be great for the twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that. Look, it's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later, in fact. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. Touch them all! Touch them all. Here, score north. ScoreNorth.com. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Yeah. We got Judd down in Fort Myers, Florida. And in studio. Yes, cardboard cutout Judd is hanging out. Well, laying down. Studio here. Yeah, hanging out. Why is he laying down? It's the only way we could get you in frame. Yeah, we had a hard time getting you in frame. It's not. I was going to say it's not you. It really is you. Your head's, your head's kind of fat in this picture. So, Oh, no, I got a fat head. Much okay. like after a heavy lunch, we can't get you in studio unless we let you lay down. As, as Brad Childress said years ago now, no, I got a big head. It's a big melon. There's no question about it. Uh, Hoodlum Larry chimes in on the, the Twitch chat here and says, so you ripping Derek Wetmore for having very normal-sized 32-inch jeans, and he says, it's called exercise, Judd. <laughs> I'm trying, okay. I'm so, on. A, I've I've got a dietitian, Jenny Craig. I'm attempting to lose weight. It's I have to say, just in the short time that I'm here, that I've been here, Judd has noticeably slimmed down, and and well, I've only been you, here Rami. like a month and a half. Thank you, Rob. No Judd, are you are you just? Is it just food, or are you mixing in little little Rocky Balboa training on the side? <laughs> um, no, I should be, but I'm not. It's just food so far. Okay, I need to get to the gym. And I eventually will, but there's always a good excuse for why I don't. They always say you can't out-exercise a bad diet. I hate it. It's my only tip for you guys. So much. But I don't take myself. (laughs) You can't? can't, I'm sorry. Go back and say that again. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. You can't? That's what I've been trying to do all this time. Rami's a cake and brownies and... (laughs) Nope. I believe that. Chicken wings and... I am staying, boys. The, The La Quinta Inn is right by a Krispy Kreme. And I'm not tempted at all because I don't. I like thought it was calories much. in, calories out. Like if I work hard enough to <laughs> burn more calories than I eat, then I'm good. No. Well, let us know how that goes. <laughs> Ronnie, you, Ronnie, you lost like 120 pounds. You figured something out. I guess I've had the don't calorie debate now. I've had the calorie debate with Judd so many times. So, all right, if you eat a thousand calories of broccoli and I eat a thousand calories of candy bars, uh-huh. that's the same thing. No, it's neither, not the same thing. Neither one is Sugar, good. Neither one is good for you. Broccoli's not good for not you. Not a thousand calories of it. <laughs> a thousand calories of anything's probably a bad idea. I think it's bad for you to eat a thousand calories of broccoli. I think there There's could some be, downside I, to eating it. I think there a lot could be bars. negative side effects. I think you can broccoli overdose. Anyways. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Certain things wouldn't. Okay. Never mind. So, Judd, give us. A, empty your notebook here again. You're in Fort Myers this week. Yes. And you're observing the twins, and if you want full coverage, there's a Touch Em All podcast that you guys did. Miguel Snow out until it sounds like May. And uh, At least. and you can find all kinds of stuff about that on scorenorth.com. But other than Miguel Sano, what else have you observed here today and yesterday as you empty your notebook? Actually, I've got one more on him before I go elsewhere, gentlemen, and that's this. And it's not being talked about a lot yet, but I think it should be. If Miguel Sano comes back May 1st, or let's say he comes back May 15th, when do you think and when do we think he'll play third base again? Because we're talking about a foot injury on a guy that lost weight, but he's still a mammoth man. I mean, he's a huge guy, right? So do you, if you bring him back and you go through all of the, all of the rehabs and the hurdles that he's going to have to go through to get back, do you just plug him back in at third base, especially with Gonzalez there as an option? What do does you he DH him and take at bats away from Cruz? What does That's he weigh? What, what's the, what's the word? What does he weigh? I've not heard the word. I saw him a couple days ago, and I will say this. He he looks normal now. But, like, he was 300 pounds. Is normal yeah, I, for him? Is yeah. He's, like, 270? Let's, let's say 270. Yeah, yeah. But but he he looks like he's in good baseball-playing shape. But still, he's still a huge guy. Here's my, here's my contention, okay? okay? Go look at all the third basemen that have been productive the last 15 years in baseball. Like, not just guys that you're putting over there and putting a glove on their hand, right? right? But actual, like, guys who aren't going to give up a bunch of runs because they're too big to play third base. 
They all weigh between 200 and 230, 240 pounds. Now, Nolan Arenado is a freak, and he's the best, probably the best, well, he's one of the three best players in baseball, maybe. But Nolan Arenado weighs like 210 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scott Rowland was one of the great defensive third basemen of all time. So I'm comparing to some of the best of all time, but... Scott Rowland was a big dude. Scott Rowland was like six foot three, six foot four, and two hundred forty ish pounds, and that's a big third baseman. Mm-hmm. And he he was very agile. But that's sort of that's kind of that's a a recent development in some respect. For a long time, third basemen were built maybe not like Miguel Sano. I mean, the the pictures and the footage I've seen from spring training this year, he looks like a linebacker. But for a long time, third basemen were sort of stockier, stouter yeah. dudes over there kind of planted in the corner. And I think what's happened is the game has evolved to the point where you realize the importance of preventing runs on that side of the infield, right? Mm-hmm. You can't it's not just all on the pitcher to prevent runs. It's you got to put guys behind the pitcher that uh that can scoop up ground balls and they don't I mean they're they're like when, whenever I see on a broadcast fielding percentage or errors, I throw shoes at the TV because mm-hmm. And this happens, and Fox Sports North still does this you sometimes. You just keep right? shoes around you while you're watching I baseball? I do. Like, I've got a pile of how shoes. How does your girlfriend yes. feel about the fact that you have a pile of shoes around your television set and hurl them every day? Fielding percentage! But here's why it's ridiculous, okay? Let's use Miguel Sano at third base as an example. He's got a rocket for an arm, and people are going to point that out. He's got a rocket for an arm. And, and Michael Kadire had a rocket for an arm in right field. Yep. That's great. And you can, you can quantify putouts. Well, what you really can't quantify, except for some of these newfangled uh, defensive range metrics that mm-hmm. really aren't household items yet on TV broadcasts, if a ground ball goes between the shortstop and the third baseman, and it goes into left field for a single or even a double if it goes down the line, that's not an error. Right. Miguel Sano didn't make an error. Right. So it might be that Miguel Sano winds up with the 10th best fielding percentage in Major oh, yeah. League Baseball as a third baseman. Yeah, but how many ground balls went through the hole because he couldn't bend over fast enough to pick it up, and it was just a hit, right? Like, there's so many outfielders that have a hula hoop for a range, and so therefore they don't get they don't get tagged for errors, but there's fly balls Number that 16, drop in for doubles and triples, Josh right? Josh Willingham. Correct. Like, Josh Willingham didn't commit errors, but he didn't catch any fly balls either, and he didn't track down those ground balls down the line. So anyways, long-winded point. I don't trust Miguel Sano as a defensive third baseman, period, right now, other than throwing guys out on ground balls that are hit right to him. So would you rather, and Nelson Cruz is there now, but do you think his future is as a DH? I think you start with first base first, and then you move to DH if you... There's zero chance he plays third base in five years from now. Okay. So my point is, though, when he comes back, do you stick him right back out there at third base and and potentially run a risk of of you know him playing on that foot again and that ankle or that uh, Achilles area becoming a problem, or do you leave Gonzalez at third base and start the Sano experiment at first base? It's got to be thought about at least, right? Well, the, I don't think the foot when he comes back the foot's the foot's a non-issue at that point, right? I mean, it's a that's it's what a, Derek it's a, thinks. It's a cut. That's what Derek, it's a cut, but it's a deep slice, and and they're having problems getting it to keel. Understand this. I'm going to explain to you, as it was explained to me today by the twins, that is a, that is, there's not a lot of fat back there, okay? So it's the one place in Miguel's body where there ain't a lot of fat. (laughs) This is a very, this is a very tight area by, by the Achilles. In fact, I want everyone listening right now, even if you're driving, I don't care, use one hand. And feel Don't down do by your Achilles. Okay. And feel how, how yeah, there's nothing there. And feel how taut yeah. that skin is. Yeah. The problem is this isn't healing. And now it's supposed to. And, but and Derek's point is he doesn't think Sano should come back till he can play third base. But let's say that's June twentieth. But but let's say he can come back on May first in DH. So that's my point is do you at least have to give that thought about how much longer that would prolong his exit from the lineup, but at some point in time, guys, we are going to have to get to the realization that he's going to have to move. I'm sorry, but he cannot play third base, and I've said this for years, he can't play third base long-term anyway. Put it this way, the, if, you're, if you're making a list of priorities for Miguel Sano, number one, just be available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just okay. play. Be available. Number two, hit 30 home runs. Just be available, hit 30 home runs, and then we'll find a place for your bat. If it's third base, awesome. If it's third base, that's the best-case scenario. Now you have... Mm-hmm. You have a guy who can hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 at a position that doesn't produce a ton of that. But if he's a first baseman, okay, whatever. Like, just get him in the lineup. Right. And that's been the biggest challenge. Right. And that remains a challenge now with this this debridement that he underwent today. <laughs>
Hey, <laughs> debridement. His debridement, notwithstanding, notebook item number two from Twin Spring Training here in Fort Myers, and th- this is the okay. This is the flip side of we're sick of talking about Sano for all the wrong reasons. Correct. Yes. This is the good side. A guy that we've barely talked about in spring training, who's absolutely uh, paramount to the success or potential success of this team, Eddie Rosario, grand slam to right field, first inning, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the first day, the Twins scored eight. But if you think about it, Rosario has become a guy who, what, Phil, three years ago or so had potential but frustrated us, and we had a lot of discussions, and there was a point in time where I think you said that if there was a guy that you were going to trade, it might be him. I don't remember He's, saying that, but that's fine. Okay, I do recall that from, from my partner at the time. Perhaps it was Jube or Mr. Yeah, but it, was, it was Joe Anderson who said that. But anyway, he has now gotten gotten to a point where he is largely ignored, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I remember saying one time, this is probably when he first got called up. So they called him up, and he had a two seventy five on base percentage, double A AA and triple A, and I said, like, this is the dumbest decision you could ever make. There's zero chance he has success in the major leagues. If you can't get on base at a 280 clip in the minor leagues, why would you ever have success in the majors? And he comes out and leads the league in triples and hits a bunch of home runs. There and, are those weird cases where guys yeah. come up to the major leagues and somehow, I don't know, see the ball better. And Denard Spann is a great example. Yeah. Now, Denard Spann, he, want, he once uh, attributed his jump in performance in the big leagues to LASIK eye surgery, that he could, couldn't pick up the LASIK. <laughs> oh, here we makes go. sense. Which is, a, which is a performance enhancer, but I will digress. There we go. How is uh, that a performance enhancer? What do you, how, what do you, how is it Rami, not a performance Rami, enhancer? Rami, because you Rami, just I'm wear going glasses if you jump in front to. of the train. Don't go down the path. Yeah, well, I could just lift weights if I wanted to. <laughs> Let's expedite the process. Let's make it easier. No, because, never mind. I'm not, I'm not. Do you want notebook item number three or not? Hold on. I want to ask you a Rosario question. Yeah, so, he, so he's, <laughs> the he's, he didn't cost a lot, so I have to justify my existence down here. He's eligible for free agency in 2022. So he has three years left of Twins team control. Yes. I'm trying to figure out, Did the did, do we know, did the Twins approach Rosario about a long-term contract in the same you know, in the same uh, vein as a Jorge Polanco and a Max Kepler, and it just didn't go anywhere? Or do they not see him as part of their future beyond 2022? He's a little bit older. He's 27. I believe the Scoop Master reported a year ago last offseason that they had approached him, and I think he declined at that time. Okay. So my guess is they went back, and, and he, he just probably no. declined again. Because if, if you think about the contracts that they gave out and the Kepler contract, which which I think it's a very fair contract but could turn out to be a bargain, you got to think that they went to Rosario with that, right? And you got to think that they went to Buxton. I would, I would guess. Yeah, Buxton would be you, an ultimate. Just take advantage of his, like, of his low confidence and, you know what? and exactly. And and those Phil, those are all contracts where if they're signed, the those contracts, the Twins would be in the luxury area that the Dodgers have with huge contracts, which is if you if Byron Buxton gets that contract and he flames out and it's terrible, and the worst case is he goes home and collects uh, his cash from his couch and watches TV, Twins can swallow that. Yeah, that's fair. That's not terrible. Now, if you sign now those Dodger contracts, the Twins can't. But I gotta believe that they went to Rosario, to Kepler, to Buxton, at least those three guys, and offered the same type of contract. Why don't you give us your last notebook item, and then we can also do a grittiest athlete bracket update when we come back here. I googled broccoli overdose, and uh, in general, broccoli is safe to eat. Any side effects are not serious. The most common side effects, gas. Yeah, I don't see how they say this is not serious. Gas or bowel irritation caused by broccoli's high amounts of fiber. Yeah, you you fart, but like that the, can be really well, painful. You like know a what? lot oh, of gas on. can be very people. People. It, oh yeah, it. no, he's right. I've no. been on the verge of going to the emergency room before I just <laughs> let one rip. And the, <laughs> oh, I'd like to hear this story. And and okay, you can't but just with drop bro- that and not tell us the story. Come but on. with broccoli, guys, pick guys, that up and tell us. With broccoli, the problem is this: if you have broccoli gas, it's not you; it's your poor family. <laughs> That's carbon monoxide. No, I'm telling you, a lot of gas can be very painful. Hold on, really? So painful. have you really almost? Have you really almost gone? Yeah, I was in so hospital. much pain. I was like, my appendix must have burst or something. Yeah, I feel like we got to come back with this. Who cares about my twin? No, no there isn't. There really isn't a lot to the story. I'm telling you all of it. I was in a ton of pain, and I had a pain in my side, and like, like excruciating. I was like, something inside me 
has burst. I need medical attention. And then I just, I let one rip and I was like, you know what? I'm good, guys. <laughs> I think I'm dying. Okay, I'm fine. Grabbing his left arm. Oh, God. Nope. It's just it's a heart attack. Oh, no, it's just gas. It's gas. I'm good. Good to go. Uh, Judd, so don't tell uh, me you can't overdose on broccoli. Right? Judd, tell us about your favorite, your favorite painting company here, if you will. All right? I certainly will, Phil. Those, of course, are the folks at Serta Pro Painters who are complete professionals, unlike us. So I'm in this room in this press box now, and it's a nice room. It's okay. It's a small room. But guess what? It's not really well painted. And I'm thinking to myself that if I own this stadium, I would call the folks, my friends at Serta Pro Painters right now, and I would get them out. And guess what? I've already called them, and they're coming to my house because i got a bath and a guest room well they're fine now but you know they're going to look so much better when certa pro painters is done and it helps that each certa pro painters business independently owned and operated so it's right here in your community and if you're like me and need any work done i urge you to schedule your free estimate online at certapro.com that's certapro.com or by calling 800 go certa Painting is an investment, and choosing the right painting company is an important decision. And in fact, I think I'm going to tell the twins, you know what? you got to call Serta Pro Painters. you got to get them to this press box right now because we can make it look so much better. That, again, is Serta. Serta with a C. And it, again, is CertaPro.com or 800-GO-CERTA. Serta Pro Painters, guess what? We do painting. That means you do life. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, before we get back into Judge Twins Notebook here, I have for you, gentlemen, Judd down in Fort Myers, Mackie and Rami and Jonathan up here in the Twin Cities where it's going to snow again like three times this weekend. Um, in the <sighs> Kevin Garnett region mm-hmm. of the score north grittiest Minnesota athletes ever bracket that mm-hmm. Patrick Royce is ashamed of because there's not enough old school gritty athletes from the 70s. Nick Punto and Zach Parisi matched up in round two. Voting today, all of the voting on the Score North Twitter account if you want to vote for uh, the grittiest Minnesota athlete ever. Marcus Sherrills is in this bracket. He uh, advanced to the second round against Janelle McCarville, and he'll join Matthew Collar tomorrow on Score North Live. But what do you guys think? Pat Williams or Jim Marshall in the second round? Legendary Viking. So uh, so Puto beat out whom again? Because I, I remember that was a very tight race from what you... Uh, he beat out Steve Hutchinson. Okay, Ooh. so Punto, and I, I predicted that that should happen. And then I know Zach beat out um, his dad, JP, because they're, they're both yes. grinders. Um, so, so the one now, it was Pat against who? Uh, Pat, Williams Pat Williams and Jim Marshall. Who's grittier, Pat Williams or Jim I think Jim I got to go Jim Marshall. I think I got to go with the Iron Man. Don't yeah. you? You play football in the 70s, and you're just like default grit. Yeah. Well, he, well, he didn't miss a game from 1961 to 79, right? That's correct. Yeah. That's okay, yeah, he's got that personified. And he's a lineman yeah. too. It's not like a punter didn't miss a game or something. That's a fi- that's a final four guy right there. The, I think the he's championship might be decided with this matchup right here. Jim Kleinsaucer versus Doug Mankavich in the Oof. second round. Those are just two gritty names. Oh. Like you just hear those names. You don't even have to see the guy or know what he does. You're like that dude's gritty. The more syllables you have in your last name, more consonants. And the more consonants, consonants you okay. have, especially like four con- consonants in a row, like with no vowels, that yes. you're, you are gritty. Yeah, or German. I gotta go or German. You're one or the other. I gotta go. I gotta go. Klein saucer. I mean, Mikhevich was gritty, but come on, Klein saucer. The man was. Uh, I, I believe, if I am correct on this, I believe that Jim Klein saucer might have been the first H back. Tight end moved to fullback, and we yeah. called them H backs. Yeah. I mean, if you're the first H, if you're the first of of a gritty position, you're gritty. Yeah, I think Jim. I mean, Jim Kleinsauer football epitomizes football too. All right, let's. Uh, uh, Lindsey Whalen and Jordan Murphy. That's a no brainer. Lindsey Whalen's going to beat Jordan Murphy in the second round. Uh, how about J- old school, new school Viking matchup here? Joe Cap, long time. Uh, well, not long time. Uh, short run, but went to a Super Bowl. Joe Cap, Harrison Smith, '60s quarterback. Versus modern throwback safety. Who's grittier? Hmm, One guy smoked heaters on the sideline. The other guy's nickname is The Hitman. I'm not that familiar with Joe Cap, I'll be honest with you. But I, And I said this the other day about Harrison Smith. Like, For me, to be gritty, you need to not be all that talented. You just need to just be getting by on your grit. And sure. Harrison Smith is a really gifted and talented human being. Not that he doesn't work hard, not that he doesn't he's not smart and studies up on the sport, but he has a lot of god-given ability. I don't I don't I don't know if Joe Cap you can say the same about yeah. him. 
Uh, did Joe, Joe did Cap's Joe really Cap? good at fighting on stage in the Canadian I was gonna football say, thing. Oh, that's Joe Cap right. had a cane, right? And he attacked a guy who tried <laughs> yes. to attack him. And didn't happened. Joe didn't Joe Cap play quarterback with one bar on the helmet? I think so. If you go one bar, you win. You're gritty. The fewer bars on your helmet. Well, then, then why did Bronco Nagurski advance the second? He didn't have any bars on his helmet. All right, how about uh, Marcus Sherrill's Janelle McCarvel? We already tossed that one out. Uh, Derek Bugard, enforcer for the Wild. Uh, the late Derek Bugard. Or Randall McDaniel, Hall of Fame offensive guard. Randall McDaniel was gritty. I mean, but to fight for a living in the NHL is yeah. pretty gritty, too. Yeah, The boogeyman. And, Okay, and then the final matchup here of the second round, and you can find the full bracket on scorenorth.com. There's just a big link below the featured story. Antoine Winfield or Dan Gladden, who's grittier? Oh, that's a tough one. Is it? Gladdy Gladdy is one of, in my time watching professional sports in that town, which I started to watch pro sports in 78, Gladdy's one of the grittiest. He went to the second baseman's house in Shoreview and beat him up on his lawn. I mean, Antoine Winfield was the rare cornerback that preferred tackling and blowing up screen right. plays, right? Yeah. I mean, did did he go to somebody's house, a teammate, and pull them out of the house and beat them up? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think he did. Okay, then I've got my that's answer. Okay. Glad that's he true. wins. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Judd on this one. All right, that's fair. All right, what else is in your twins notebook, Judd Zolgad, down in Florida? Oh, okay, so I, I told you that the Rosario Grand Slam was the big positive. Uh, I got, and this is, a, this is not an alarm, but I've got a slight, well, that was a bit of a blip today. Byron Buxton, I saw his first two at-bats. Struck out in the first on a Byron Buxton swing, old school. He basically, the swing that uh, on, I think it was on Sunday against the Phillies that he almost offered at and didn't, he offered at that today. Struck out. And then his second at-bat struck out again. Yeah. So Byron Buxton, I all I'm saying about Buxton is, we got to dial it back a bit. Now, his I give him credit in the clubhouse. His demeanor is different. Like, he finally seems, and, and I say this in a good way, he seems cocky. Like, he doesn't, it always seemed to me like he was almost, when I would see him in clubhouses before, almost apologetic about being there. You know, sort of would be quiet. And, you know, I mean, if this kid's going to be good, he should be great. So I like the fact that in the clubhouse now he seems far more in control of things and, and he seems far cockier. But the two, first two at-bats I saw today were not pretty, and uh, I do think that we probably, as as the pitching ramps up here, we probably need to slow our roll a little bit to see how he does against that. Well, I mean, he was 8-for-8 eight eight with three home runs and uh, over 10 RBIs. So, yeah, I mean, your expectations shouldn't be that, but I, I, I am still, and I know I, I think Phil is in the same camp, I'm putting stock in spring training when it comes to Byron Buxton, and, and not the first week of spring training, but what he does as a whole, when you look at his body of work as a whole in spring training, is 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 going to sort of set my expectations for Byron Buxton in the season. Am, am, I, am I wrong on that, Phil? No, I don't think so. And here's what's frustrating. No matter what happens the rest of spring training, it's just like you can't, you have to take the car out in the regular season and drive it, right? Right. You can't, you just, he could hit three home runs tomorrow and it really doesn't, doesn't matter because we've seen stretches of Byron Buxton where he looks like yep. the best player in the American League, not named Mike Trout, over a two or three month stretch. We've seen that there was a there was a month I want to say three years ago, it was September, a lot of September calls, but there was also the second half of the season two years ago where this dude was on. If you if you extrapolated mid July through the end of the year over 162 games, if you were to do it for 162 games, it was like 300 batting average. 30 home runs, 50 stolen bases, 100 RBIs, 100 runs. I mean, that's that guy is in there somewhere. Right. And and I, I think even at his peak, though, this is why we can't get too alarmed by the strikeout thing. He's If he's performing at his peak, he's still going to strike out 140 times. Like, he's going to be a guy that's – Mike Trout strikes out a lot. Mike Trout, Mike Trout strikes out 100-plus times. I think Mike Trout struck out 150 times one year. So it's not. It doesn't have to mean that you're a bad hitter just because you strike out. But we need the other stuff to go with it to excuse the you know the two or three strikeout games here and there. That's my notebook, so. boys. All right, well done, thorough, well done. Thank very you thorough. very much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate. Uh, we've that. got some reckless Viking speculation here. Ooh. If you want it, when we oh. come back, there I love is. this talker. By the way, I love this talker. There's a quarterback of the future oh. potentially out yes. there to be had for a third-round pick, but how comfortable are you with Kirk Cousins is the main question. 
Um, but Judd, let's uh, let's talk about tickets here, right? Indeed. We will, and right now, Phil Mackey, I am at SeatGeek.com, and that's because my friends from SeatGeek.com, they are the place to go if you need tickets to a sporting event. And the good thing is, these days, sporting events are never really sold out, right? There are tickets available, but this gets us to two key important points if you're a consumer. Where do you go for those tickets, and whom can you trust? Judd here. I have the answer. All of your concerns are gone because the answer to both those questions is SeatGeek. SeatGeek, what they do is they pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price that you are willing to pay. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. All you have to do, as I said before, is go to SeatGeek.com and you will see all of your ticket buying options. That means the Wild Game, the Wolves Game, the Twins Game. And by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with complete confidence. SeatGeek is your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code Judd today. That's promo code Judd, J-U-D-D, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and guess what? We have the tickets. And uh, we'll get back to uh, Judd down in Fort Myers. We're going to recklessly speculate on the Minnesota Vikings here shortly, but Federated... Mutual Insurance Company reminds you to drive safe. It's got a lot of names. Aggressive driving, road rage, whatever you want to call it. It all means the same thing. It's risky behavior. The road can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. You should focus on controlling your reactions to events while you're on the road. Okay? I mean, we've all been there where someone cuts us off or something happens. And really, getting mad doesn't lead to anything good. We should all do our best to avoid creating situations that might put other drivers over the edge. Aggressive driving behaviors are tough to name as direct causes of crashes, but some reports have estimated that such behaviors have contributed to more than half of fatal accidents on U.S. roads. What happens outside your vehicle is completely out of your control. All you can do is keep your behavior in check. When you keep your emotions in check, you do your part to help everyone make it home safe. Today or any other day. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them. And Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.